Hello and welcome to Grace Church Vienna. As we celebrate Jesus' resurrection this Easter Sunday, we have Hans-Georg Hoppert with us with a sermon titled, Up from the Grave He Rose. Looking into Luke 23, we see how different people reacted to Jesus' death. We learn about the reactions of a seasoned soldier, the general public, and Joseph of Arimathea. And we will see how the women reacted after the resurrection and the disciples did not believe them even though they should have known better. And finally, how do we respond and how much trust do we have in our Savior? So this morning, we would like to share something very special. And um, we really feel with the disciples, you know, um, they really saw the Lord dying on the cross. And it was terribly devastating for them to, to see that, actually. They were with him um, just over three years or so. And then suddenly um, this uh, God of hope that has made so many miracles happening before their eyes rose dead people. And now he is dead um, himself. And in Luke um, chapter 23, 46, it says, And Jesus crying out with a loud voice, Father, into thy hands I commit my spirit. And having said this, he breathed his last breath. With a deep sigh, Jesus released the final breath into the darkened sky. His head bowed forward. His body slumped. Jesus was dead. At least that's what the people saw with their eyes. Had the curtain of the spirit world been pulled back, however, they would have seen his soul breaking loose from his body like a ray of sun bursting through the black clouds. Into the unseen world, Jesus soared in a triumph fight of freedom, no longer tethered to his earthly body, no longer confined to his prison of pain. And as we read in 1 Peter 3, 18 and 9, and Jesus with unbridled joy proclaimed to the spirits that redemption was complete. Salvation had been secured. The price had been paid. It was finished. It was finished. Back in the seen world, however, a pall of gloom clung to the hill where his body remained stretched on the cross. To Jesus' enemies, the sigh bore a measure of satisfaction. To his friends, despair. So what were the reactions to Jesus' death? What was it that it made in the people surrounding the cross? What happened then, this is what we would like to look this morning 
And uh, in the end, we'll find out our own reaction. So the first thing we see is the soldier, the seasoned soldier in the final verses of Luke chapter 23. We can see what happened. Luke isolates four reactions of, um, of Jesus' death on the cross. And here this person nearest to Jesus when he died and the first um, to respond was the centurion. As the commander of the crucifixion detail, he had ob observed many men die on the skull hill. If they ended up there, they were always the worst sort of man foaming and snarling with hate. But Jesus was different. Instead of curses, his lips uttered an offer of forgiveness, a promise uh, of paradise, a heartbreaking cry as a son to his father. Watching the way Jesus died must have made the centurion wonder, could he be the king they think he is? Then when Jesus breathed his last, the physical and spiritual worlds cried out the answer. In Matthew 27, 51 and 52 tells us a little more detail what happened really. And behold, the whale of the temple was torn in two from bottom to the earth shook and the rocks were split and the tombs were opened and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised. That is what happened. That very day, Jesus died. The centurion needed no further proof. It was too obvious. He could see with his physical eyes the wonder of Jesus dying. When in Luke 23, 47, it says, When the centurion saw what had happened, he began praising God uh, saying, certainly, this man was innocent. This was the seasoned soldier's reaction to Jesus' death. From the centurion praise Luke's, let's put it in new words, his camera um, next um, shows uh, goes to the person scattered around the base of the hill going. And then we see, secondly, the general public. And in Luke 23, 48, 49, it says, In all the multitudes who came together for this spectacle, when they observed what had happened, began to returning beating their breasts. And all 
his acquaintances and the women who accompanied, accompanied him from Galilee were standing at distance, seeing these things. There was the laymen and women that Jesus had healed, the seekers he had shown the way, the sinners he had forgiven. They all had come to the cross. And when Jesus died, a part of them died too. Their pretty hope, their incredible hope died with it. When it was over, they drifted away, clinging to one another. And Luke said, beating their breasts. We just had a, a burial recently and a husband uh, died. They lived together for 57 years and when we entered the room where, the, uh, where we celebrated uh, his life, you know, we saw the widow, you know, beating her breasts because she was torn apart, torn apart. So I really, as I prepared myself for this morning, I had this widow before my eyes. What is happening? What is happening? Jesus' mother was among the women who watched him suffer. She heard the thud of the hammer on the spikes. She listened to, uh, to the chief priest hurl their abuse. She felt her son's pain as only a mother can. Gasping at the spear piece, pierced his side, as we read in John's Gospel, chapter 19:34. She must have recalled Simeon's cryptic um, prophecy. We read about in Luke 2:35, a sword will pierce even your own soul. That is how Jesus' mother must have felt. Maria wept for the baby she once carried in her womb and for the boy she cuddled in her arms. That was the general public and of um, the reaction to Jesus' death. There wasn't just a soldier, there wasn't just the general public, but there was even more. There was the, um, the believing council member. In fact, there were two of them. There was uh, Joseph of Arimathea. Um, that is the person Luke um, focuses uh, on. And in Luke 23, 50, 50 to 54, it says, And behold, a man named Joseph who was a member of the council, a good and righteous man, he had not consented to their plan and action. A man from Arimathea, a city of the Jews, who was waiting for the kingdom of God. This man went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus, uh, and he took it down, wrapped it in linen cloth, and laid him in a tomb cut into the rock where no one had ever lain. And it was the preparation day and the Sabbath was about to begin. 
In John 19, we are told how Nicodemus, also a member of the council or Sanhedrin, helped Joseph in the difficult task of burial. Jewish custom dictated the proper procedure. The body was usually washed and straightened, and then the bandage tightly from the armpits and ankles in strips linen about a food wide. Um, aromatic spices often as a, a gummy consistency were placed between the wrappings or folds. They served partially as a preservative and partially as a cement to glue the cloth wrappings, um, wrappings into a solid covering. When the body was thus encased, a square piece of cloth was uh, wrapped around the head and tied under the chin to keep the lower jaw from sagging. That was the usual procedure. Solid, tenderly and solemnly, these two friends of the Lord prepared the body. Jesus is body, but they had to move quickly for the sun was setting. The Sabbath was at hand. Well, there is really one question I ask myself. What sort of reaction was that? It hovers like a dark cloud over these two council members' act of kindness. Why didn't they stand up for Jesus during his trial before the Sanhedrin? That's a big question. Perhaps they tried, but they dissenting voices were drowned by the council clamor for Jesus' blood. Well, can you see the reactions? Very different. The reactions to the death of Jesus. We saw the seasoned soldier. We looked at the general public. Um, and let's look at the group of women around. Lingering behind to help was a caring group of women from Galilee. They followed Nicodemus and Joseph as they carried the body away. And we read in Luke 23, 25 to 20, uh, 56, uh, they saw the tomb and they and how his body was laid, and they returned and prepared uh, spices and perfumes. And on the Sabbath, they rested according to the commandment. Encased in strips of linen, Jesus' body rested in the cool and silent tomb. Friday night, all Saturday, and through the following dark night. Then in the pre-dawn stillness of Sunday morning it happened. The miracles of 
miracles. And here again, there were reactions to it. It's up to today that there are reactions when we talk about the risen Lord. It was in his time when they really saw Jesus. First of all, there was some incredible material evidence. In Luke 24, in the first three verses, it says, But on the first day of the week, at early dawn, the women came to the tomb, bringing the spices which they had prepared, and they found the stone <laughs> rolled away from the tomb. But when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. The women's mind raced as they tried to make sense of what they saw, what they actually saw. There was the stone. Imagine the large round stone that had been rolled down into the groove in front of the tomb entrance that has, had been pushed up out of the way. Uh, a resurrected body really does not need stones removed. It can go right through material things as we read in John 20. These stones sometimes really were, they, they were very heavy. They weighted a ton, a ton or even more. And besides the the chief priests and Pharisees had secured a Roman guard for the tomb. As we read uh, in Matthew 27, it says a seal was set on the stone. So it was very secure, high security tomb. Who could have done this? Really, the stone was removed. Only this enabled them and let them in so that they could see the empty tomb. The stone was rolled away and there was the empty tomb. Their hearts beat wildly. The women rushed into the burial chamber and had carved out the stony hillside. No body. Where in the world could it be? Now, we know, of course, skeptics have drawn up at least three main theories about uh, to account to the empty tomb. Uh, they tell us the women really, and you can see the skeptics, the women really went to the wrong tomb, you know. Some say Jesus only fainted on the cross and escaped under his own power. Another theory is someone stole the body after all. However, considering the precautions the religious leaders took to seal and, and, and guard the tomb, uh, as we read, really no one has ever been able uh, to produce Jesus' body. In fact, 
Resurrection is the only. Resurrection is the only reasonable explanation for the empty tomb. Reactions to Jesus' resurrection. We saw the incredible material evidence in the stone was rolled away, the empty tomb, the, and then there was even more to that, uh, the grave clothes. All that remained were these wrappings still molded in the shape of Jesus' body. How could his body be gone and the grave clothes remains intact. Said to Margaret as we um, uh, drove um, to come here, you know, uh, I said to her, I was laughing uh, at this fact because I said to her, I think these uh, clothes were pretty well ironed, you know. And they just were there, you know. <laughs> it's funny, you know, to think about it and how these women were surprised to see that actually in front of their eyes. That was reality. Material evidence was the first reaction to Jesus' resurrection. Secondly, there was the uh, super natural appearance. As we read in Luke 24, 4 and 5, and it happened that while they were perplexed, this, behold, two men suddenly them in dazzling appeared, and the women were terrified and bowed their faces to the ground. The men said to, who, why do you seek the living among the dead. Light exploded. The voice boomed and the women, Luke tells, were terrified, trembling. The Greek word comes from a word group to, with a primary verb, febomai, which means to flee. This is the kind of panic that sends us running for our lives gripped the women's heart and they trembled before the angel. These heavenly beings continued in saying in Luke 24, 6 and 7, He is not here, but He is risen. Remember how He spoke to you. They try to bring back their memories. Do you still remember? Remember how he spoke to you while he was still in Galilee, saying that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and the third day rise again? That's what he promised. Really, we see a supernatural appearance, and secondly, there is a personal response. As the rumbling voices faded and the angel's glory dimmed, a light clicked on the women's mind. Yes, Jesus has, had uh, risen just as he said he would. Their mind came back, and Luke reminds us 
back in chapter 9, he reminds us in chapter 18, Jesus took the 12 aside and told them. They shouldn't have been surprised because they knew. And I don't know whether you watched um, on RTL this week, uh, they showed the, the passion of, of Christ, you know, it was kind of brought into our daily life, how Jesus suffered. And I still see Pilate, you know, saying we knew what was happening. All people knew. It wasn't new. They knew what was happening. Because Jesus promised so. They shouldn't have been surprised. Thus we read in Luke 24, 8 to 10, and they remembered his word and returned from the tomb and reported all these things to the eleven, to all the rest. Now they were Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary, the mother of James, all of the other women with them were telling these things to the apostles. What do they tell us, you know, these Women, you know, secondary people, you know, women. They can tell all sorts of stories, can't they? That was the kind of view even the disciples had. I'm sorry to say so. And we will be surprised how the disciples themselves reacted Ironically, the first skeptics of resurrections were Jesus' own disciples. That's the irony. They thought this story was nonsense. Are you crazy? Are you out of your mind? Women telling us. The word used is one employed by Greek medical writers and describe, you know what do they, what they describe? A babbling of a fevered and insane mind. Have you ever listened to somebody in that kind of state? That was what they thought about these women. You're crazy, the disciples called, but... Peter, accompanied by John, ran to the tomb and they saw for themselves. And we read in Luke chapter 24, 12, we see stooping and looking in, he saw the linen wrappings only. And he went away marveling at what which had happened. Jesus is alive. It's true, Jesus is risen from the grave. He's ever alive. That fact is the pillar upon which all Christian truth really rests. Because Jesus is raised, sin can be forgiven. And I want to urge you listeners, wherever you are, your sin can be forgiven today, now. Satan's doom is sealed. Death is not the final conquer. 
Because Jesus is raised, we shall be raised someday. Like Jesus' body, our bodies, their glorified state will burst forth, forth from the grave and be joined in our souls and we will live with him forever. Hey, dear fellow brothers and sisters, what a wonderful and incredible hope we have. It is amazing. Well, we saw the different reactions to Jesus' death and resurrection. And now, what is the message to you now, today? To those listeners all around, what is, may I confront you with that question? What is your reaction now? Very true. One response to Jesus' death, death and resurrection remains to be examined. It's yours. Your reaction wherever you are. But let me remind you before you reach out your final verdict, though, consider the Apostle Paul compelling argument in 1 Corinthians 15, 17 to 19. He says, if Christ had not been raised, your faith is worthless. You are still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ are perished, have perished. If we have hoped in Christ in this life only, we are of all men most to be pitied. To deny the resurrection is to smash the pillar upon which all Christian hope rests. Thankfully, God has designed it to be a mighty pillar, an almighty pillar. If your jury is still out concerning the resurrection, examine the evidence really carefully. Indeed, there is no firmer foundation upon which to build your life or your future, sure enough. The resurrection was God's amen to Jesus. It is finished. Perhaps the greatest implication of the resurrection is the assurance that God has a, has a future for us. The multitudes, as we read in Luke chapter 23, 48, went beating their breasts. Because they thought their hope had died with Jesus. For all they knew, the final chapter had been written. They thought, you know, that's it. That's it. As with all people everywhere else, dead is dead. What could be more final than death? Evil had conquered good. The story was over. But praise to be to God. He had a surprise ending waiting. The same surprise ending that awaits all who believe in Christ. What a hope we have 
in Jesus. Assuring us in this, the apostle writes in Romans 8, 35 to 39, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all. No. No, Paul says. No. In all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angel nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any power, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Praise the name of Jesus. Let us pray together, shall we? Dear risen Lord, how hard it is to, to see clearly when devastating circumstances fill my eyes with tears. How blurring things get. Even you get blurry and the sound of your voice becomes strangely unfamiliar. You as the shepherd of my soul, your voice is blurred. Help me to, to blink away tears, to see that you are standing beside me, waiting to know why I'm crying. Wanting to know where, where it hurts. Wanting to, to wipe away every tear from my eyes. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for being there and never leaving or forsaking me, even in the darkest and chilliest hour of my life. From those circumstances that have shrouded my heart and entombed me, I pray that you would roll away the stone. Yes, it is too heavy. And I'm, confess, I'm too weak to roll the stone away myself. Where there is doubt, roll away the stone and resurrect my faith. Where there is depression, cast aside grave clothes and release my joy. Where there is despair, chase away the night and bring a sunrise to my hope. Yet in my doubts, in my, in my depression, in my despair, help me to continue to love you earnestly, Lord Jesus. Even if I do not understand how you are working in my life and I rejoice, that no matter how dark the Friday or how, or how cold the tomb may be, 
that with you as my risen Savior, there is always the warm hope of an Easter morning. Lord Jesus, thank you for that very hope. The hope that is enough for all people at all times, at every place this world and the universe has. Jesus is enough. Thank you for this very truth you want to convey not only today, but forever. Till the time we see you face to face and glorify your name forever and evermore. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Christ is risen. He's risen indeed. Amen.